Welcome to Cogniz Education Untapped Podcast, the show where we bring you experts and leading practitioners in the field of education. Hello and welcome to Education Untapped. I am Steve Welding and I'm part of the Education Safeguarding Team for Cogniz. Today, we are delighted to have the Cogniz Safeguarding Manager, Hayley Cameron. Uh, she's joining us today to share her experiences with multi-agency working within the child protection arena. Hayley Cameron is employed by Cogniz Limited as the Education Safeguarding Manager. Hayley is seen as the conduit between the local authority and all the education settings within Sutton. No mean task as Hayley joined us during the start of the pandemic and has never set foot in the office. So good morning Hayley and thank you for joining me today as I know how busy you are. Before we we begin, can you get our listeners acquainted by sharing a bit about yourself? Hi Steve and thank you. I've lived in Sutton for most of my life after moving here from Clapham at the age of four. I was a pupil at both Tweedale Primary School and Wallington High School for Girls before initially embarking on a career in retail management. Due to family commitments, further education had never been something that I had considered, but then my mindset changed. At 21, I decided to go to university and I studied media and English at Southbank University before qualifying as a teacher in 2005 after completing a PGCE with an early year specialism. I've worked in Sutton and Croydon School since then. I've been a designated safeguarding lead since 2008. I was appointed as a deputy head teacher for safeguarding and pastoral care at a large primary academy in 2015, before going on to become acting head of school in 2018. I'd always been interested in safeguarding supporting pupils and working with families. But in 2013, there was a day that changed my life forever. A pupil that I'd worked closely with was murdered by her father during the half-term holiday. I was designated safeguarding lead at the time, and this was a turning point for me and one that changed me both personally and professionally in a number of different ways. From that day on, I knew that in terms of my career, I wanted to focus on safeguarding. I wanted to make some kind of a difference and to do all that I could to prevent something like that from happening again. In 2018, I became Director of Safeguarding for a large primary academy trust, working with schools in both Sutton and Croydon. I had the opportunity to work with and support schools in meeting their safeguarding responsibilities, as well as supporting and advising on the management of individual cases. I developed supervision for staff to support emotional well-being and led statutory training, as well as offering bespoke training packages dependent on the level of need. In 2019, I started a two-year distance learning master's degree in advanced child protection at the University of Kent. This helped me to create a multi-agency support network and to further develop my own knowledge and expertise. This has enabled me to cascade the latest, most up-to-date safeguarding information with staff. I've now completed my master's and it has further ignited the passion within me to develop safeguarding on a wider scale. And this leads me to where I am today in my current role as education safeguarding manager, working alongside an experienced and well-established team. 
I'm a true believer in safeguarding being everyone's responsibility, and that includes pupils, staff and people in the local community. There needs to be an understanding of the importance of safeguarding and the need to build capacity within our schools, paying particular attention to the awareness of burnout, the need for supervision, the need for regular training and the benefits of a multi-agency support network. Thank you for that excellent introduction, Hayley. Today, I was going to ask you about the importance of multi-agency working within the child protection arena. Throughout your career, I imagine you have been in countless meetings where some very, uh, very serious issues have been discussed. Firstly, what do you mean by multi-agency working? Multi-agency working is when professionals from all different sectors, including children's social care, education, police and health, come together to ensure a joined up stance and vision is adopted in order to reduce the risk of harm to children and young people. Professionals should work holistically and use an ecological systems approach within their practice to enable them to build a more informed understanding of what life is really like for a child on a daily basis. This means that the more informed risk assessments can be made, which then impacts on future support, intervention and possible outcomes for the child and their family. Why do you think multi-agency meetings are a vital part of that whole safeguarding culture? And what are the causes and consequences of poor multi-agency working? With poor multi-agency working being referenced time and time again within child protection cases and serious case reviews, it's imperative to look deeper into the causes and consequences for this issue in order to ensure children are better protected in the future. A great deal of research has been carried out into multi-agency working, but still the same problems persist. So there needs to be a different approach for future practice. Research suggests that the causes of poor multi-agency working include challenging workloads, lack of understanding of different child protection roles, limited information sharing, burnout and working with challenging parents as key causes. Research also suggests that the consequences of poor multi-agency working include ineffective decision making, the voice of the child going unheard, tragic outcomes for the child and lack of confidence in services public and media perception and blame culture as key consequences. As we all know, sadly, sometimes things go wrong and children can suffer in terrible ways. In serious case reviews, is poor multi-agency working ever highlighted? Many serious case reviews emphasise the theme of poor multi-agency working. In a report published by the DfE in 2012, professional challenge was highlighted as an issue in determining how cases should progress. Professionals were not confident enough to challenge one another if they disagreed with an outcome. For example, in terms of whether or not a case should be managed under child in need or child protection, it can be argued that this puts the child in an increasingly vulnerable situation. If something doesn't feel right, professionals must have the confidence to act. One case that comes to mind is the case of Ellie Butler. Ellie was known to Children's Services and had been placed in alternative care provision due to the level of risk posed to her by living in her family home. When the suggested return to her parents had been discussed, concerns had been raised by a number of different agencies, including Ellie's grandparents, with whom she had lived with for the majority of her life. In October 2013, Ellie was murdered by her father after being returned to the care of her parents. The concerns highlighted by the different agencies 
were noted in her serious case review. However, nobody ever had the confidence or knowledge to ensure that these concerns were escalated to the right people using the correct process. In a sense, professionals found themselves stuck and felt that their concerns were not being listened to. And this is an extremely difficult situation to find yourself in. Vital historical information was not shared with the last school that Ellie attended and partners were told that as her father had been exonerated from any accusations against him and had also previously displayed behaviour of a hostile and aggressive nature, the family were to be given a clean slate. It could be argued that this decision against sharing information contributed to a young child tragically losing her life. Similar failings in multi-agency working were also referenced in the reports written after the deaths of Maria Colwell, Jasmine Beckford, Victoria Columbia, Peter Connolly, and more recently, Lauren Wade. This is not an exhaustive list, and this highlights the prevalence of poor multi-agency working. All of these children were known to services, although not all were known to children's services. Three of the six children had previously been placed in alternative care before the decision had been made to return them to their parents despite the fact that concerns over their safety had been raised. For all six children, in the reviews following their deaths, reference was made to working with hostile and aggressive parents, disguised compliance, lack of confidence, knowledge and experience to escalate concerns, failure to listen to the voice of the child, lack of information sharing and the lack of professional curiosity. Thank you for that, Hayley. So how do we improve multi-agency working? In order to improve multi-agency working, there needs to be new ways of training professionals and creating more opportunities for multi-agency partners to come together. Effective information sharing and making sense of that information and providing ongoing support and supervision to professionals. Multi-agency training needs to be developed to enhance the knowledge and understanding of individual roles and the pressures that each agency may be facing. Informed training and ongoing learning from past tragedies and experiences should be used as a driving force in the child protection arena. It's important that when issues arise, professionals come together to reflect on what has happened and then share those reflections with a wider audience to get the biggest possible impact and to encourage changes to be implemented for the benefit of the child. Thanks for that, Hayley. We're going to take a short one minute break here so you can catch your breath and have some water. Hayley, I just have a couple of questions left, if you don't mind. You mentioned hostile and resistant parents and the use of disguised compliance. Can you elaborate a little on this for our audience? Multi-agency partners need to be mindful of how disguised compliance can be used because often parents will use it in an attempt to turn different agencies against one another to make them doubt the decisions that are being made. In the case of Ellie Butler, the unpredictable behaviour and threats from parents contributed to the reasons why multi-agency professionals were not more confident to follow up concerns when she'd been returned home. The findings from research suggest that working with hostile and aggressive parents can seriously impair a worker's ability to make clear and reflective judgments. This highlights the challenges faced by professionals in their everyday roles and also emphasises the difficulty of working with parents who are exhibiting signs of a hostile and aggressive nature, whilst also having the ability to identify and deal with disguised compliance. In the example of Ellie Butler, the parents' behaviour should have instigated further investigation. 
especially as the immediate period following a child's return home is suggested to be the most dangerous. There is a need for professional curiosity when working with families, as disguised compliance can cause poor multi-agency working. If professionals are not curious about what they are observing, there is a risk that they will only see what the families want them to see. This is the information that they will then use to inform their assessments and ultimately share with other professionals. If the information shared is not a true reflection of the situation, this may impact on the level of support, if any, other agencies decide to offer the family. Withholding the support that a child needs or delaying access to that support can have a detrimental impact on their future outcomes and the actions needed to instill change to their situation may become non-existent. You've made numerous references to the voice of the child going unheard. What do you mean by this and why is the child's voice important? If multi-agency working is ineffective, workloads are high and there is insufficient time to carry out visits or direct work, there is a chance that the thoughts and feelings of the child may be missed. The Children Act 1975 was introduced following the death of Maria Colwell. This aimed to strengthen the voice of the child being listened to and to ascertain the wishes and feelings of the child regarding the decisions made about them and give due consideration to them, having regard to age and understanding. However, research suggests that the voice of the child still goes unheard today. There are strong similarities in the reports following the deaths of Maria Colwell and Ellie Butler. Maria was not included in any of the decisions made regarding her future. In fact, the social worker rarely saw her on visits to the home. It was a similar picture in the case of Ellie Butler. It states in the overview report that Ellie had made it clear that she wanted to stay with her grandparents and that she had also asked to speak to the judge regarding her future. But these wishes were dismissed. Both Maria and Ellie were misled by services. They were not listened to and they were not informed when they were being returned to their parents. They were not given the time to say goodbye to the family members that had been caring for them for the majority of their lives and there was no transparency in the assessment process. If more time had been spent by professionals trying to find out why the children were feeling the way that they were, and then also trying to establish further links with the, the factors connecting the families, potential risk could have been identified and their deaths may, may be prevented. Information was not shared, wasn't shared effectively, and the dots were certainly not joined up. A consequence of ineffective multi-agency working is that children do not feel that they are prioritised or even listened to because often agencies fail to pass the information on or do not show the child that action is being taken. Hayley, I promise that this is my last question. What do you believe is the way forward to make sure that multi-agency partners work better together and share their vital information with each other? The majority of professionals working in child protection have the child's best interests at heart. All agencies are working under similar and extreme pressures, but it is of paramount importance that professionals are supported to appreciate and acknowledge the barriers that are faced across agencies in order to work together more effectively. Training should not be carried out solely as a single agency task. In order to make it more informed and to ensure that each agency is being given a consistent message, regular multi-agency training needs to be carried out. Training both initial and post-qualifying and in-house support systems must address the less wi widely recognised individual and interpersonal challenges that arise in 
and safeguarding context, alongside the more familiar organisational and interprofessional challenges. Until the professional and personal anxieties experienced by professionals working across agencies is recognised and acknowledged, ineffective multi-agency working will continue to be an issue. If we create more opportunities for multi-agency professionals to come together, this will hold the potential for practitioners to meet their shared aims more effectively, while also doing the core elements of their own work well. Multi-agency training programmes to enhance professional development can assist in removing the barriers that exist in joint working. Professionals have voiced that they would benefit from more multi-agency training to strengthen their understanding of how other agencies work. Hayley, thank you so much for your time and explaining so clearly and expertly on this very important subject. I look forward to speaking to you again where we can discuss another safeguarding to topic. I'd also like to take this opportunity to mention the local launch of the Child Safeguarding Toolkit. This will take place virtually on January the 28th, 2021 from 1 to 2 p.m. There will also be a national launch later in the year and more information uh, to follow. Thank you for listening to the Cognis Education Untapped podcast. If you liked the session, join me next time when we will discuss more safeguarding topics. And to find out more about Cognis, visit our website at cognis.org.uk. Thank you.